This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by Family Planning Victoria to help parents and carers of school-aged young people to understand more about relationships and sexuality education. My name is Anne and I'm part of the FPV Schools and Community team. This is the last of a series of three episodes recorded with 1800 My Options. If you haven't heard the previous two episodes on contraception and abortion, I recommend going back and listening. 1800 My Options is a free, confidential and independent phone service that provides information and pathways to sexual and reproductive health services, such as abortion, contraception, pregnancy options and STI testing. In this episode, we're going to talk through the many myths and misconceptions surrounding sexual health. Okay, recording. So Kath, we're going to speak again about sexual health. So general questions about sexual health, STIs. You get phone calls about that also? Yes, we do. Not as many, but we do, certainly do. And they're always, they always jolt us back um, to into alertness. We have to drain the back of our brains for all of our knowledge and um, experience. <laughs> so what are some common questions that you get about sexual health? So probably, I mean, STIs is, is the main part of sexual health that we get asked about. And one of the most common things that comes up is something along the lines of, I've just been diagnosed with STI, blah, and but I don't know how it's happened because I haven't had sex for four years. Or I've been with my partner for X number of years and they have come back negative. So how has this happened? I mean, obviously we can't answer that specifically, but we do we do spend quite a bit of time reassuring people that actually a lot of STIs can be can have no symptoms at all for a really substantial amount of time, or they can have this thing called sort of a latency period where they're not really showing up and the person might not be infectious, so not not passing it on. So it's possible that they um, contracted this STI many years ago or, or some time ago and it's popped up. Obviously, the main reason why people are really concerned about this often is because of relationships and that they might be in a relationship and that person now doesn't trust them because this has come up. So quite often we're, we're sort of grilled for the answer or an answer about how it is possible that this has happened and how can we convince the other person's partner that they haven't been cheating or that there isn't something, you know, mm. fishy going on. So they're quite, uh, they need to be quite revealing to you on the phone about yeah. the status of their relationship and the history of their sexual past as well. Quite often, yeah. And, the, and those STI calls that we get often we do get a lot of you know people it's they're probably the most common calls that we get where someone is panicked or really really agitated because they've discovered something or they're worried about something that might you know track back several months or years and so that brings up all of these questions about partner notification and do they need to tell everyone that they've had a relationship with a sexual relationship with over the last x number of years how far back do they need to go do tend to be the kind of more emotionally charged conversations quite often the good news is that in terms of partner notification um, there's these apps and sort of online things that people can use now to to help with that which which can help alleviate some of that concern um, what are some sexual health myths and misconceptions that you hear over the phone? Probably probably one of the com- most common ones is I, w- I would know if I had an STI or, or I should know if I have an STI. And so we, ask, we do spend some time explaining that a lot of STIs are completely without symptoms or might have a symptom really like at, when you first get infected and then they go away and, and, you know, you can go a really long time without having any knowledge. 
which is one of the reasons why it's so important to get tested because if you are sexually active, um, there is the risk of STIs and even really careful consideration and really careful use of contraception can still result in, in an STI popping up. So we really encourage people to, to think about testing and, and, and we're able to provide contacts for doctors locally that, that can do that for them. And we it's good that we can reassure people that if a doctor's signed up to our service, they've put down that they do this, they're probably going to be a friendly person, you know, that's going to be... And approachable to talk about this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a lot of reassurance that people need because they often call us... I think they call us because they're anonymous when they call, you know, it's an anonymous service, but obviously we can't actually test them or actually give them specific medical Over advice. The phone that hasn't been invented no, yet. No, <laughs> future, fingers crossed, but we are able to provide, you know, contact for, for services that we know are friendly and approachable, which is really good. Often there's some shame around having contracted an STI, that only irresponsible people do that, that, you know, they must have made a terrible mistake and they must be a terrible person. So we do spend some time talking through that and often that's also a projection that they you know they they couldn't have an STI because they would know the sexual partner had one because you can tell by looking at people or you know by their history you know and their conversations and so I think there's there's definitely some um some myths around yeah who gets STIs and who doesn't and you know what what it means if you're a person who has an STI there's some myths around whether or not STIs are actually serious so I think there's still knowledge about HIV as being something that's really serious, but possibly some of the, the broader community knowledge about other STIs has really reduced substantially over the last while. So just reminding callers that actually some you know, STIs can cause really long-term serious con- um, concerns like infertility even. All STIs can be really serious and are really worth adding to the you know your healthcare kind of process and and looking after your body broadly and another one is that 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 idea that once you have an STI that's it that they're all incurable then you're never going to get rid of them and that is true for some but it's 100% you know inaccurate for plenty and a lot of STIs respond really well to basic um, antibiotics or, or really short courses of treatment probably like I said HIV is something that people are still aware of as being really serious and possibly even um not updated their knowledge around the fact that while HIV is um, a, a chronic condition that you ha- will have for life. It isn't the death sentence that it used to be and that there are really safe ways of having relationships with people even when you are living with HIV. And some great um, announcements in the last few years around undetectable viral loads equaling untransmissible um, infection. So um, people who have partners who are HIV positive being really well protected against against contracting it. And, um, you know, amazing technology advancements, medical advancements around post-exposure prophylaxis and pre-exposure prophylaxis and, and being able to prevent HIV transmission in, yeah. in that way as well. It's I, really exciting. I think that is really amazing that that's possible now. Certainly yeah. growing up in the 80s when it was um, hitting the news and it seemed really, really scary yeah. to have these options. So I really recommend people go back and listen to the episodes on PEP and PrEP that we've made previously to talk through those medication options for those living with HIV. And then finally, um, people who are only using hormonal contraception, um, thinking that's going to help prevent um, STIs as well. And in in reality, the only thing that's going to prevent STIs is barrier methods. So condoms being the the main one that we use, but dental dams and internal condoms as well. 
Yeah. And young people are a bit confused by that, that, okay, well, um, I have the rod, I don't need contracept, I don't need a condom as well. Um, so really explaining, yeah, you might need both. Yeah. And also that, um, you know, STIs can be transmitted with, with quite low stakes contact that you don't have to be going all the way um, in order to, to be at risk of, of STI transmission, that, mm. that there are risks associated with sort of uh, other sorts of other types contact. of contact yeah. yeah last one is if you're not having much sex you don't need to, to be tested um when in reality any type like we said any level of sex even if you're only you know occasionally having sex that one occasion can be the time when we talk about when we get calls asking about stis a lot of the conversation is about their relationships and their partners and that sort of thing so remembering bring that you might only be having sex once a year but you don't know how many times the person that you had sex with might be having sex. That assumption about your behaviour dictating your risk isn't always a great way to start. You sort of have to think a bit more broadly than that, unfortunately, sometimes. Uh, do you get asked about cervical screening? When asked about cervical screens, um, we absolutely toe the party line, which is every five years from age 25 to age 75, regardless of you know other circumstances. So some of the questions we get around, but I've had the vaccine, I've had, um, so I don't need to have the, t- the screen. And so in relation to that, the answer is that the HPV vaccine is amazing and it does protect against a huge number of the the viruses that cause cervical cancer, but it doesn't protect against all of them. The cervical screening test is a lot more sensitive than it used to be, so it is only every five years. It's it's still absolutely necessary. The good news is pretty much any doctor can do it, so you can just go to your GP. You don't have to be going to a specialist clinic to get a cervical test. And it's the there's changes, you know, in in what the procedure is that it's really worth staying up to date and talking to your GP when you when you go for any other visit just to check what the what the system is now because it is being it is changing and being updated all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly changed for those that are parents and carers. It would have changed since um, you were at school. Do you ever get asked about sexual pleasure? Are people calling to ask about pain or how sex feels? Yeah, we do get a few calls um, around that. And again, because we're not able to provide medical advice to callers, the answer to most of those calls really is go and see your doctor and would you like the number for a doctor that has indicated they're interested in sexual health as a as a subject, which is we have a great big database full of. So it is it's certainly something that um, we we get asked about, but we usually do have to handle those questions pretty quickly onto onto GPs. One thing that has come up is something is around the use of lubrication and feeling uh, um, inadequate if you know you have to l- use lube because you shouldn't have to if you're good at it and my personal answer to that is always there's no such thing as too much lube it's you know it's it's never gonna be a bad thing to add add to the mix and it's got nothing to do with you know your quality as a lover if you're wanting to add that in also some great brands out there that do all sorts of exciting things (laughs) why do you think people would choose a service like 1-800-MY-OPTIONS to ask these sorts of questions to about contraception and sexual health and abortion instead of just going to a doctor or asking a trusted adult or a friend? I think the main reason is it's anonymous. You know, they get to call up a number and speak to someone on the phone and we don't know who they are and don't ask, you know, for any of their uh, their name or anything like that. And I think there's definitely young people, people in general, are aware that there's a lot of misinformation on the internet. And so when they see a service 
that is, you know, government funded um, and authorised that you call up to get this information, it feels trusted, it feels, uh, you know, like the right place to go rather than the endless Google searching that might happen if you went down that route. And also people know that their trusted adults and trusted people in their lives don't always have the answers or the answers might be out of date. We do end up having to tell a lot of people you need to speak to a doctor about this, but that's often a reassurance that it's not a silly question or a inappropriate question or they won't be judged for asking. A lot of our callers are just looking for reassurance. So they're looking for reassurance that they're doing the right thing, that they're asking the right questions and it's a quick, easy, free friendly way to to have that reassurance. Mm. So how do you make sure that callers feel safe and supported and comfortable on the phone? Because you would just have to do all, that quickly. Yeah, we're just all really wonderful people. <laughs> um, I think, we, you know, jokes aside, I think that's the reality is that we, we really focus on providing a service that's friendly and non-judgmental and pro-choice and supportive and that and callers... Practiced. You're practised at talking about sex and sexual health. Yeah, exactly. And so people feel... And, and I mean, not to turn our own home, but we're really good at what we do. Like, we... You know, we we get a lot of calls and we're usually able to to answer the needs of all of our callers. Even if the the need, you know, the answer is here's a number for a GP, you need to go on and do that. That's still the right answer and we are, you know, quite good at it, I think. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Kat, for talking to me. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much to Kath uh, for talking us through some information and common calls that they get around sexual health. Both Family Planning Victoria and 1800 My Options have lots of information about sexual health on their websites. We also have previous Doing It episodes on STIs and episodes about including sexual pleasure in a discussion with young people. You can look up 1800 My Options at www.1800myoptions.org.au for contact details and information. You can call 1800 My Options on 1800 696 784. For more information about FPV, go to fpv.org.au. You can follow FPV on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe. Like the podcast if you like it. We'd love to hear from you. The email address is doingit at fpv.org.au. Thanks for listening.